0: Connecting life and faith. This is Connections.
1: Welcome to another episode of Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom. Maybe you've wondered, like many of us have at some point in our lives, if you could ever be loved or if you could ever love in return. Well, today's guest says you can. We're joined today by Jared Wilson. He's an assistant professor of pastoral ministry, as well as author in residence at Midwestern Seminary. He's also the director of the Pastoral Training Center at Liberty Baptist Church. On top of all that, he is the host of a popular podcast podcast as well as the author of numerous books, including his most recent one, Love Me Anyway. Today on Connections, he's going to talk about that book, the inspiration behind it, and how God's perfect love can feel even our deepest longing. We're joined today by Jared Wilson. He is an assistant professor of pastoral ministry, an author in residence, as well as the director of the Pastoral Training Center at Liberty Baptist Church. On top of all of that, he's a podcaster, as well as an author of numerous books, including Love Me Anyway, which we're going to be chatting about today.
0: Jared, uh, yeah, author in residence. You're a professor of uh, pastoral ministry and stuff like that. I'm wondering... Yes. Uh, first of all, like what led you to pastoral ministry and then
2: helping to train new pastors? Uh, what led me to pastoral ministry is uh, a complicated story beginning in the seventh grade for me, <laughs> uh, nice. but, but was really, um, yeah, the Holy Spirit tugging on my heart during a morning devotion when I was at youth camp and just followed that uh, inclination. Um, all through adolescence into high school, and just had the great confirmation coming out of college of um, you know pastors who gave me opportunities and opened doors for me, and so I just sort of followed that track. Uh, I love churches, and um, I've I've come to love the centrality of the gospel, and so helping churches sort of see the finished work of Christ as their ultimate life and the the you know uh, galvanizing power for everything they do has been a great, a great passion of mine to train pastors is just sort of a, a next extension of that, where, you know, I just, I love, uh, ministers and having, you know, having been in local church ministry for a long time, um, uh, I've, you know, I've seen it from the inside world from the other, you know, the other side of the curtain, so to speak, and, yeah. um, uh, you know, being able to, uh, to help pastors, um, in their lives and to trust in Jesus, um, rather than any, you know, anything else outside how the church is going or anything like that, um, is, is also a great, you know, a motivator for me as well. What do you think people need to know about their pastors? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think what, you know, the number one thing is that, um, pastors, you know, can't turn it off. It's not the kind of work where, <laughs> When the office hours are done, you say, "Well, I'll I'll pick it back up tomorrow." Um, it's it's the kind of thing they know they're going to have to give an account before the Lord. Um, you know, Paul talks about the the daily anxiety. He says, "For uh, you know, for all the churches, my daily anxiety for all the churches." And and I you know I don't think he means like a sinful kind of worry. that I think he just means the weight of the responsibility of caring for people, carrying them around in his heart. And and knowing that he is, um, you know, the shepherd who has been stewarded a flock, he that that weighs on him. So, I think the average, uh, you know, church member, um, you know, I think maybe doesn't understand uh, that their pastor isn't just thinking about themselves and you know one aspect of the ministry, but sometimes, you know, lays awake at night um, because of the weight of the entirety of the ministry. Okay. I. I
0: pastored at a church for like nine years and mm. uh, I haven't been there for six years and I still care about them and pray for yes. them and worry about them six That's years right. later. <laughs> yeah.
1: We have to remember that you all are human beings, that you're yes. as well.
2: That's exactly right. And, and we have, you know, a finite capacity. We have, you know, limitations and we get tired and we get sick and we get um, anxious and all those sorts of things as well.
1: Now you have a book called "Love Me Anyway." Tell us a little bit about this book, "The inspiration Behind it."
2: Well, yeah, so the inspiration is really a convergence of multiple things. Number one, um, a study I did a couple years back in the love of God, where I spent about a year. Um, every book that I read had something to do with God's love, and I read everything from, you know, theological texts that would be more academic. To more Christian living sort of books, devotional type books. I just really wanted to immerse myself in that subject, and what came out of that was um, one or two or three different sermons that I preached in different churches and at, you know different conferences, and really seeing the the need um, not just today but for all time. The deepest seated human need um, is a need for God that many times we express. As a need for love, and this makes total sense, of course, because we know from 1 John that God is love, that he and his Trinitarian self is love. So I sort of trace in the book um, the history of love songs and love stories and how all those things really are expressions of our need to be totally known and at the same time totally loved, what I call you know, loved anyway, that somebody would see everything <laughs> about us. Know all of our flaws, our failures, and certainly all of our sin, and not walk away. Still love us. So I trace each chapter, sort of follows the outline of the thoughts in First Corinthians chapter 13, probably the most famous love passage in all of literature, certainly in in all the Bible, and walks through each of the different clauses to talk about what real love is and how we can actually experience. That love, um, even beyond romance, so obviously I talk about romance quite a bit in the book, but it's not um, 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 it's not a marriage book. it's not you know specifically for people who are even in romantic relationships of any kind. It's about you know anyone who wants to feel loved, this book is for them.
1: What about that person out there that's like nobody, there's nobody out there that can love me. What would you say to them?
2: Um, I would say first of all, I have been there. Um, I talk quite a bit in the book about my own story and um, my struggle with depression and anxiety, uh, the time where my marriage fell apart and I had lost everything. Not just I thought nobody loved me. Um, I, I, I was basically told <laughs> um, I don't love you anymore. And and I, you know, I was unloved. And in that experience, I found um, the, the closeness of the Lord in a way that I, I didn't think that I could. Because when everyone has sort of walked away from you and you feel like you're in the coldness or in the darkness. And I mean, I, I had no, no hope. I, you know, I was out of hope and um, was thinking really, you know, crazy thoughts as, as oppression will often do. And so my assumption was, of course, God would reject me as, as well. And what I discovered even in the, the, the you know, depth of my affliction Is that we have a God who, because of his um, matchless grace, doesn't walk away. Um, Our our biggest sin and our biggest darkness, our biggest sorrow, um, you know, are no match for him. And so that's what I would say to anyone who feels completely unloved, or maybe they just, they've been struggling to have, um, you know, a love. They love other people who, they feel won't love them back or, to, or who don't love them back, you know, maybe prodigal children or even a prodigal spouse. Um, we have a God who doesn't walk away, who has seen it all, who cannot be surprised, who cannot be phased, and sticks by. His, his His love will never leave us.
1: What was that like for you to experience that at your deepest, darkest time to know that God still loved you in the midst of all of that?
2: You know, what was surprising, I think, you know, what a lot of us, would expect is some sort of deep, you know, deeper revelation, something we've never heard before, some sort of mystical experience. And I did have one evening out, you know, I was living in the guest bedroom of of our home and I I didn't have any hope that my marriage would be restored. We were still married, but just living as, you know, kind of roommates. And I always thought, you know, any day now, you know, divorce is going to be, you know, the next step. And, um, you know, I was spending a lot of evenings just sort of crying into the floor and begging God to do something without, you know, I, I had a sliver of faith that he could, or else I wouldn't be talking to him. But I really didn't hope, you know, that, that something would happen, or, or I had no expectation, I guess I should say that anything would happen. And one night out of countless nights that I did that for about a year, it was as if he reached down through the ceiling and grabbed hold of me and um you know i didn't hear an audible voice there were no you know visible visions or anything like that but it was a very real experience of the closeness of the holy spirit and the lord said something to my heart again not an audible thing but just to my heart a very clear message and it wasn't anything um that i'd never heard before that was the thing it was it was the message of the good news That God loves me and approves of me in Christ, which was a message I had heard since I was a little kid, you know, growing up in church. So it it wasn't a new revelation of any kind. It was the message of the gospel. And yet I needed to be, for some reason, at the end of myself to hear this message as if for the first time. Um, You know, Paul talks about in First Thessalonians about receiving the word in the midst of much affliction, that there's something that happens that's different. We can hear the gospel, you know, you know, all the live long day, but until we're in the, in the pit, when we hear the message, it it lands differently. And that's what happened. It was the same old message, but I, it wasn't the same old me. It, 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 you know, affected me and transformed me. And, you know, blessedly the Lord began to restore things, not instantly. Um, You know, it was a, it was a, you know, another year or so before, you know, my marriage began to get stitched back together, but um, you know, in God's kindness, he began to restore some of these, you know, blessings to me. But I really had to lose everything, I feel like, to discover that um if I have Christ, I have everything.
0: I wish there was another way. That's so often the case, though. Hey. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh in the book you unpack First Corinthians 13, a lot of people will know part of that passage. Love is patient, love is kind. Um I like the start of the passage, though. Um, if I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Um, how Yeah, what stuck out for you most in that passage about what love is in the eyes of God?
2: Well, what's really interesting about that passage is for as famous as it is, I don't know that. Many of us, or or I guess I should say, many people who, for instance, recited at their weddings or have it read at their mm-hmm. weddings, yeah, um, are really prepared for the depths of um, of patience that this kind of love calls for. For the depths of you know bearing with one another, um, the idea of keeping no record of wrongs, <laughs> you know, that you would be a you know promiscuous forgiver, basically, that you would endure all things. Um, the kind of love that 1 Corinthians um, 13 is calling us to, that Paul is calling us to in that passage, is uh, a self-denying, self-crucifying, you know, self just as, as Jesus said, to follow him, we, we must deny ourselves and take up our cross. That's what that passage calls us to do. And, and the most curious part about it for me, sort of revisiting it for the umpteenth time, is this idea at the end of the passage, uh, verse 13, where Paul says, now, faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And I, I thought about that for a long time because I thought, gosh, you know, faith justifies us and hope doesn't put us to shame. So how is it that love would be greater than than those things? And so I, I really mm-hmm. sort of revolved around that thought quite a bit and addressed that in the book as well, why Paul would say love is greater even than faith and hope. Now. You know what? I
0: don't know if I've ever looked into this. Um, I know that there are um what seven different Greek words for love used in the New Testament. <laughs> I think does Paul use the same word throughout the passage? Um that I, I don't
2: know. I haven't looked into the into oh, so the see, Greek there. Do yeah. That. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I would assume that it's agape. Um yeah, you know, agapago, you know, but um, I'm not sure. That's a good question.
0: Yeah, but I, and so agape this this thought of god's like yeah, complete uh perfect love, right? Kind of like nothing you can do can make make him not love you kind of thing.
2: Yes. And you know, I do talk about that in in the book somewhat. The the um the kind of love that we are called to for instance in the Old Testament, it's um hesed and and in in the New Testament, the the sort of correlation to that is agape. Um, which is sort of a self-emptying sort of love, a sacrificial kind of love. Um, What do you do
0: when, like, this is the thing that always gets me. My wife loved this passage, right? Um, But right away, Paul says love is patient. And I'm like, well, I'm out then, I guess, (laughs) right? (laughs) I'm not a patient person. I'm not patient with the people I love. Uh, And then I kind of get hung up on that and feel guilty, right?
2: Well, sure, um, because the passage, like so much of the scriptures that we would read as imperatives, a, a, as law, serves multiple functions, right? So it certainly calls us to a higher standard and, you know, in a, in a, in a basic sense, tells us what to do. We read it and go, this, if I want to love somebody, I, you know, my love needs to be typified by this. It needs to be typified by patience. It needs to be typified by being kind. It needs to be typified by not being um, self-seeking or, or irritable, so on and so forth. But we also, just as we look at the law, you know, you look at the Ten Commandments or, or any imperative in, in the New Testament, and we see not just what we're to do, but we also see, as you said, our, our failure to measure up, our failure to perfect it. I see my inadequacy. Um, I, I strive to be patient, but I'm so, you know, frustratingly impatient all the time. And so, what that causes us to do then is to look beyond ourselves for number one, uh, power outside of ourselves to obey. Well, okay, Lord, I don't have natural patience inside of me. Um, I'm I'm inclined towards you know irritability. So I really need your help. I need your Holy Spirit to you know help me um, obey these commands. To give me, uh, you know, to make me more like Jesus, so that I'm growing in these things. You know, the fruit of the Spirit includes things like patience and kindness. Um, And so as I grow in Jesus, I, I become more like these things. But in the end, I'm looking beyond myself to see Jesus as the fulfillment of 1 Corinthians 13, just as he is the fulfillment of the law. And if I feel guilty, I go to the good news and see that Christ's finished work has been imputed to me. I've been counted righteous in Christ. So his obedience in essence, by faith becomes mine. And so when I look at First Corinthians 13 and go, gosh, I'm such a terrible lover, <laughs> you know, to, to everyone. Um, yeah. I, I can see Jesus was the best uh, um, at love on my behalf. And his perfection in these attributes is actually credited, you know, credited to me, um, you know, through my faith.
1: So if we get to a point where, okay, we're starting to realize that God's going to love us no matter what. Um, no matter what we've done, where we've been. um, How do we start to accept that love? How do we get to a point where we can? Because our brain is still going to be stuck for a lot of people in that. And no, 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 no. Nobody's going to love me. Come on. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, the scriptures talk about being transformed by the renewing of our minds. So a lot of it does begin with that mental battle and sort of what information are we feeding our brain? What are we meditating on? And very often, what we're dwelling on what we're kind of you know chewing on in 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 our thoughts what we're staring at in other words uh begins to direct our thoughts which then impact our feelings and and sort of you know th- you know that feeling of being unloved or being cast out or never being accepted th- that comes from a kind of if i can use you know kind of therapy speak a kind of negative self talk and you know, thinking negatively about ourselves is is just sort of the first piece of uh, of getting to the truth, because the scriptures do say that there is no one good, that we are, you know, that we are sinners, that we have fallen short of the glory of God. But the scriptures also say that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And so what I need to do is not just talk to myself, uh, um, or not just listen to myself, but actually begin to talk to myself <laughs> with the words of Scripture and and meditate on what the Bible says about God's love and and fill my brain with with that sort of information. In Second Corinthians chapter three, Paul says it's by beholding the glory of Christ that we are transformed uh, into His image. So if I want to be um, more in the crosshairs of this feeling of loved or or this knowledge, just the knowledge of acceptance. I have to um, be looking at Jesus. And so I would advise anyone to spend a lot of time, um, not just in the Bible, but in the Bible, focusing on the cross. Because the cross of Christ is the ultimate proof that God loves sinners. If you ever wonder, could God love somebody like me, as messed up as me, as broken as me, as, as screwy as me, um, look at the cross. It is proof. There, there isn't a higher pay, you know, price that he could have paid than to send his son to the cross for me.
1: At the end of the day, who the, do you hope is going to pick this up?
2: Well, I, you know, obviously I hope everybody <laughs> as any, <laughs> author, would, as any <laughs> author would, but um, really if I had to boil it down to people who have felt like me, if you have ever struggled as, you know, you know as you said, um, with that feeling of love, could I ever be loved? Will I ever know love? If you've ever even um, in a family, even in a marriage, even in a church, if you have struggled with loneliness or or just thought, could God love someone like me? Um, I wrote this book for those people.
0: Book is out now. Um, what's that like? And how's the reaction been with any advanced readers and stuff like that?
2: yeah it's been really positive um you know i've had some folks who are regular readers of mine including some colleagues who say they thought this was my best book yet so that's nice. really encouraging um as we record this the, you know the book officially releases today so whenever anybody hears this you know it, it'll be available now so but the release is early so i'm not quite sure yet on on total reception but the advance buzz is is pretty good and encouraging
1: For those who want to learn about the book, want to pick up the book, learn more about you, how can they go about doing that?
2: Sure. They can go to lovemeanywaybook.com, lovemeanywaybook.com.
0: And also check out uh, the Art of Pastoring podcast. Big fan.
2: Oh, thank you, brother. That's very (laughs) kind.
0: Right on, Jared. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. Real privilege uh, to talk with you today, and we wish you all the best
2: with the book. Thank you so much. It's been a joy to be with you.
1: And thank you so much for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.